Earth 2, a world much like our own, yet slightly different. There, young and old have joined forces to battle evil, the newest heroes joining the champions of the Golden Age, presenting Tales of the Justice Society of America. Everybody and welcome back to Tales of the Justice Society of America. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am Scott Gardner. And this week we're gonna kind of make an apology. Scott and I had written on the page or the Libsyn page that we post tales to uh, that this week we were gonna cover three different storylines from, you know, 159 and 160 of Justice League of America, and then 171 and 172. And I think it, isn't it 183 to 185? Something like that. That's the next one. But we realized that there was another team-up that took place in 195 to 197 that technically happens at the same time that All-Star Squadron started up. But uh, we figured that since it takes place in the present, that it might be a good idea just to get that one out of the way. Right. So that we can kind of clear the decks of the crossovers, because the very next one crosses over into All-Star Squadron. So we'll definitely be talking about that in, quote-unquote, real time. So so, so we're only going to do two storylines this week, and then we're going to have two storylines next week, and that'll finish out the Justice League, Justice Society crossovers. But fear not, we've got lots of awesome stuff after that. Tons like, and tons. Like we mentioned. <laughs> Duns and tons. Duns and tons. <laughs> you sounded a little uh, special for yeah. a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. My mom says I'm special all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure she does. Um, but Scott drew the short straw this week. And, uh, just just because we thought we were doing three stories, so he was going to do the first two, and I was going to do the last one. But I suggested that you know we just skip that one just to make him do all the work. Wait, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. I'm, I'm feeling sorry. much better this week, by the way. Thank you for asking. <laughs> You were feeling fine last week. What are you talking about? I took a round in the head, but thankfully it didn't hit anything vital. So I'm, I'm doing. Oh yeah, I, I I nearly forget. Well, Jonah swore me to secrecy, so I, I really couldn't, you know, talk about it all that much. Because Jonah Hex, he'll fucking kill you. He really that's what will. I like about him. Actually, that's what I like about him too. <laughs> I just like a character. That isn't amoral. He just gets involved when he feels like he should. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, he could... If, like, a bunch of nuns came to him and said, someone's robbing our stagecoach, he'd be like, eh. You, you'll get paid back. You're nuns. I mean, Catholic Church has a lot of money, doesn't it? And just walk away, but, you know, some freaking dog gets kicked by the wrong guy and he'll shoot him dead. See, I think I think his appearance on Justice League uh, Unlimited really summed him up excellently. Because there's the one part in there where uh, 
somebody says, you know, what are we going to do about this? He says, do about it. We're going to go put him in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's Jonah Hex. Right <laughs> yes. Know, that's his answer. We're going to go but, but, plant somebody in Boot Hill. But really and truly, that only makes sense for the time period he's cast in. Because, you know, the Wild West was called wild for a pretty good reason. Yep. You know, <laughs> it wasn't a nice place. And people had to make certain decisions that they normally wouldn't make. And it's just, it's great to see a character treated as a character should be treated. Right. Not that I really think he's treated that way in the story we're about to talk about, but to a degree, to a degree. Well, let's 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 discuss that. Let's get into okay. that because I'm itching to get to this one. I really, uh, I really dig this story actually. So this first uh, story arc, uh, this first JLA JSA team up takes place in Justice League of America's 159 and 160. So starting with 159, this is the October 1978 issue. Awesome cover on this one by uh, Rich Buckler and Dick Giordano, uh, written by Jerry Conway, art by Dick Dillon and Frank McLaughlin, and the story is entitled "Crisis from Yesterday." At least this first story is, anyway. And the roll call... I'm going to give you the roll call for this complete adventure, just so that you know who all was involved with it. Many of these only amount to cameos in the very beginning of the story, by the way. We've got the Superman of Earth 2, the Wonder Woman of Earth 2, Green Arrow, Hawkman, Dr. Midnight, Black Canary, the Superman of Earth 1, the Green Lantern of Earth 1, the Star Spangled Kid, the Elongated Man, both flashes of Earth-1 and Earth-2, Batman, Hawk-Girl, or was she Hawk-Woman here? I'm not really, I can't ever keep her straight. Which, which I, th- I think she was Hawk-Girl around this time still. Okay. I really do. Okay. Uh, she was in the last story we covered. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Wonder Woman of Earth-1, Red Tornado, and uh, he even brought his daughter to the party, which was kind of cool. Green Lantern of Earth 2, The Huntress, and Dr. Fate. So this year, the get-together for the annual JLA-JSA team-up is being held at Club 22 in Gotham City, which I can only assume that it's losing its owner money and that he's hoping to collect the insurance from the imminent attack that, you know, is a complete (laughs) no-brainer and foregone conclusion when you get this many super guys together, right? So, <laughs> thank God, they just booked. I'll be able to retire because those something's going to happen. There you go. Exactly. I mean, come on. So sure enough, just as the party is getting cranking, the supers are attacked by unseen assailants in a dimension bordering the year thirty six, or excuse me, thirty seven eighty six A.D. We learn that the baddie behind all this is the Lord of Time who has stolen five figures out of history, imbued them with superhuman powers, and has sicked them on the JLA-JSA team-up in order to deliver a crushing defeat. Uh, Their first ever, according to the Lord of Time, which I was kind of like, are you sure about that, dude? But anyway, uh, he's doing this as part of an as-yet-unrevealed bigger plan on which the fate of a world rests. 
Back in 1978, the Lord of Time's agents literally bring the house down on our heroes, injuring a good many of them in the process. When the smoke clears, the agents stand revealed as the Viking Prince, Rich, Ritzmeister Hans von Hammer, who is uh, also better known as the um, enemy ace, Miss Liberty, masked freedom fighter of the American Revolution, the Black Pirate, fresh from the 16th century, and the baddest badass of the Old West, bounty hunter Jonah Hex. The historical figures compare notes and realize that they don't know how they got here or even why, but Hex is more than willing to put a bullet in whomever's responsible. I love that part. Realize (laughs) that's what he's all about right there. Realizing that they are being used as pawns, the five agree to follow Miss America to a place where they can plan their next move. And off they go. Enemy Ace is in his plane. Hex and Miss America are riding on horses. And the other two are on a Viking ship. And mind you, they are all flying through the sky. I mean, horses and Viking ship and everything are all zipping through the sky. So... The Earth-1 Superman revives and helps revive the others. Quickly, they realize that many of their friends are seriously injured and that there was a mystical element to the attack, which I'm really glad they threw in that because my first thought was, why did a simple roof caving in take out both Supermen? So I'm glad that they explained how that was all handled. Once again, for Tales of the Justice Society of America, we are treated to a Hawkman blatting over his wife's situation. Maybe we should start keeping a uh, score tally on when this happens. (laughs) And the uh, able-bodied heroes set off to find their attackers. Superman tracks the chronal energy in the air, which leads them to Valley Forge and a confrontation with the time-tossed five. Quickly... And quite unexpectedly, and totally awesomely, the historical figures kick ass, due in large part to the new lightning-like abilities of the Black Pirate's sword. He and the Viking Prince uh, take out the Earth-1 Flash, the Earth-2 Wonder Woman, the Elongated Man, and Dr. Midnight, leaving Jonah Hex, Miss America, and uh, Von Hammer facing Hawkman, the Star-Spangled Kid, and the Earth-1 Superman, respectively. But amazingly, and thanks to their power-up from the Lord of Time, the Star-Spangled Kid's power proves ineffectual against Miss America, and her horse kicks him unconscious. Von Hammer's plane repels Superman's heat vision and then stuns him with some sort of blast of its own. And finally, Jonah Hex takes a punch from Hawkman, and then he just shoots his ass. (laughs) I love that. Turning to page 23, we are treated to a gorgeous full-page splash that totally mirrors the cover on this issue, in which the five from out of time stand over the bodies of the whooped JLA and JSA. It's really a really nice uh, splash page. In the first of two epilogues, the Lord of Time calls back his successful agents and puts them into stasis. He reveals how happy he is that he's that they've won this battle because now the JLA JSA, having tasted bitter defeat, will come looking for Hex and the others and will be spoiling for a rematch, which is perfect because the Lord of Time needs them to storm his fortress. 
seems that this stupid dude built his fancy schmancy computer just a little bit too well. And the goddamn thing is going to bring an end to all of time. It's going to come to a screeching halt in a matter of hours, and uh, he apparently can't find the off switch. But maybe, just maybe, the combined heroes of two Earths will be able to stop all this. So in the second epilogue, our heroes awaken and recover from getting owned with a newfound resolve to uh, find the parties responsible. And that's pretty much where... One, uh, excuse me, 159 ends. Now, do we want to talk about this, or do we want to talk about it as a combined story? Um, let's talk about this first issue. Okay. We can, we can do it an issue at a time. Sure. Uh, I like this party at the beginning. I really do. I think this kind of, this is kind of what you want from the JSA and the JLA getting together. You know, you had a really neat scene. My favorite part was Batman watching the Huntress Mm -hmm. uh, take a drink and hoping maybe she'd get knocked out or something. But he just has this this whole little inner monologue about how, you know, does he envy his Earth 2 counterpart because he retired or because, you you know, because he had a daughter? And he's like, no, I like what I do. You know, I'm no matter how rough it gets, I love my work. But in his heart, he always wanted a daughter. Not that he ever regretted taking Dick Grayson for his ward. But he would have been proud to have the Huntress as a member of his family. And then he starts to say, if only Silver. And I'm like, wow, they just made a a reference to Silver St. Cloud. Yeah. And the fact that that romance failed. And, you know, Huntress calls him uncle. Which is just kind of weird. But yeah. But then you have you have Hawkman and Green Arrow singing "Show Me the Way to Go Home," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's almost like different people were doing the artwork in this issue. Yeah, because you know, like the opening scene is pure Dick Dylan, but when you get to that like full page splash almost of Miss Liberty and the Black Pirate and Enemy Ace and Jonah Hex, it looks like somebody completely different. And it's the same, and then it's especially the same in the next story, where the artwork just is kind of inconsistently good and then can inconsistently bad. Right. So, because you know, you and I are not fans of Dick Dillon. No, I'm but, not. Yet those uh, those panels of Batman in the very beginning of the story, yeah. the part that you cited, wow, that looks really sharp. Especially that that first panel of Batman kind of scoping out the Huntress. I mean, it's really a nice piece of art. In a purely platonic way (laughs) i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's like power girl and superman from last episode (laughs) but no you see i think i told you this off air it's not that i think the story is necessarily bad i just don't really care for the lord of time as a villain so having him being like the reason why all these characters got together. And I like seeing them together, especially like Miss Liberty, because I dig on patriotic characters. Right. And she's a revolutionary war uh, character. And I, I always liked her costume. I liked the look of the character. I always wanted some, to see somebody cosplay as her at Dragon Con, but... And, you know, I like the Black Pirate, but that's mostly because the first time I ever saw him was in Who's Who, and he was drawn by Jerry Ordway. So how can you not freaking like him after that? 
Jerry Ordway is just such an amazing artist. And, you know, you got the Viking Prince and Jonah Hex, and it's just like, I get the feeling that Jerry Conway wrote this, didn't he? Yes. That Conway was just like, hey, let me get these historical figures, and that'll change up the concept of the JLA and the JSA teaming up because we've run out of companies that we've purchased, so we have to have them interacting with somebody. Right. So, so you know, it's not bad. It's just, eh, you know, you think as, as as superhero fans, it's like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if the Freedom Fighters and and the Justice League had to fight each other, or would it be cool if all of you know Captain Marvel and Superman had to fight each other? And would it be cool if we brought back the Seven Soldiers of Victory? I, I never got the. Wouldn't it be cool if we watched the Justice League get owned by a bunch of historical figures? That's that's actually what I really dig on in this story. Is okay. you wouldn't think that these five guys would stand a chance against the Justice League. I mean, seriously. Yet they take them out and pretty handily, right, you know, right in, in this first issue of this two-parter. I, I really, I dig that. I, I think it's nice to be thrown kind of a curveball and these guys kind of get their due, at least for a little bit. And it's And it's not really even fair because it's not like they they took them out with their own natural prowess or anything. You know, they, they had been souped up by the Lord of time, but it's, it's still fun. I, I get a kick out of this story, you know, in a purely goofy way. It's not like it's, it's deep and meaningful and it's, you know, some awesome story. It's, it's, it's enjoyable to me just in a, in a silly, you know, late silver agey wackiness kind of way. And that's what I kind of get out of it. Plus, you know, it's got Jonah Hex in it, and I just can't be down <laughs> on it because it's got Jonah Hex in it. And he, it, you know, I think that the historical guys in this really get kind of short shrift. That's really my only problem with the story is you've assembled these really awesome historical characters, yet they they don't really feel like themselves except for Hex. You know, he's yeah. still pretty much acts more or less true to character. Um. I think also this story needed at least one time for one or two of these historical characters to go, what the hell? My horse is running through the sky or, you know, how is my Viking ship floating through the sky? You know, something like that. I mean, they take all this crazy shit that's happening to them pretty much in stride, which is very, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, like they're totally down with whatever is going on. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I totally see what you're saying, actually. So I, I like to think that, you know, once this adventure was over, they were all returned back to their own time with, with no knowledge of what had happened. Normally, I hate stories like that that wind up that way. But in this case, it's the only way that these five guys would wind back up in their native time strand, not, you know, just insane by the crazy shit that they had seen, you know, <laughs> you know flying men and guys dressed like birds and, you know, all this crazy, crazy stuff that they had seen and experienced and been subjected to. I mean, you know, there, there's yeah, no, no way I, a guy. I totally, get, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, there. it's yeah. It would, it would, it would break them mentally. I would think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh. I, just, I just hate to say this, in a, and I'm going to try not to say it too much, uh, because next week we're going to get into the stories that you know are largely drawn by George Perez. Thank God. Yeah, and I don't want to be like that. I really don't. I don't want to be that guy that's going to, you know, bash on poor Dick Dillon just because his style doesn't appeal to my reading sensibilities, you know? You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's just, man, sometimes it's just so stiff, and there's no real life to it. These characters really need to be drawn kind of epically, even the historical ones. So I feel bad for dogging on the art as much as I do, but I I do. And I don't, I, I, I'm really going to save most of my art criticism or most of my art comments, I guess I should say until next time when we actually get to the Perez stuff, because, you know, I, I just, I, I have a certain take on, on that whole thing. And so I'll, I'll wait okay. till that, that point, but yeah, you know, it, it's weird. Like you say, you know, the, the art for the most part is a step up for most of this, but then again, I just opened uh 160 and looked at the first page and I'm like, Oh boy. So <laughs> the, co- the cover to this one is awesome though. Which one? 160? No, 150. Oh, 150. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's be- oh, I'd love just, to see a poster or a T-shirt of that. Would just, be awesome. Just really solid, and and then unfortunately the next cover is a real step down. Yes, because yeah. it just looks goofy. Yeah, I don't, and like not it. in a fun way. You know what I'm saying? Right. And yeah, I, I I just I just opened up that first page, and what is up with? It looks like Superman's wearing a muscle suit. No, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me dig into my uh, okay dig my into synopsis because I I think I've summed this up very nicely actually. Okay. All right. So this is uh, Justice League of America one sixty, the November nineteen seventy eight issue. All the same guys involved with this one: uh, Jerry Conway, Dick Dillon, Frank McLaughlin. Now those guys actually supplied the uh, cover to this one, which uh, I agree with you is nowhere near as awesome as last issue's uh, Buckler Giordano cover. This one is entitled "Crisis from Tomorrow." So we had "Crisis from Yesterday," now we got "Crisis from Tomorrow." <gasps> How clever! Anyway, okay. <laughs> Wow. I'm sorry. Was that was that was that snarky? That was, I'm sorry. I'm was sorry. that snarky? Jesus, is, was Andrew Dice Clay controversial? I mean, <laughs> seriously, dude. Wow. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> so we open to a title splash page of nearly every character looking like they've just sustained some horrible spinal injury to find our heroes <laughs> running out the cosmic treadmill. See, I knew you would like that. Do they not? Well, Superman well, looks also, like he just took a bullet in the back. Oh God! Also, it looks like Superman got stung by a bee. So yeah, yeah, he's very puffy. Yes, <laughs> very puffy. Wonder uh, Wonder Woman. That is a, that is a great way to refer to it, yep. sir. He is poofy. <laughs> Wonder Woman looks like she's regressing to an ape or something, doesn't she? <laughs> Like, like the next panel, she's going to be like fully ape. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could, no, I honestly see that. So there you go. Yep. She's de-evolving into a, into a primate. It's just why, I mean, look at Dr. Uh, Dr. Midnight there. I mean, can your body actually make that 
posed without like being crushed in a well, he is a dust or something. Well, so he's got he's got that going for it. He he might do like a, a lot of yoga. I guess. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the huntress being that stacked. Ooh, that's right. How did I miss that? I don't know. I was about to ask. I'm usually my eyes are drawn right there too. But anyway, are you saying you're a breast man, sir? I am a breast man from way back. Yes. Okay, very good. So, God, where the hell was I? All right. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. So it seems that uh, Superman can now track this uh, energy trail of theirs into the time stream. I don't know. He just develops and loses powers all the time. I, I, I've I, lost track. Anyway, they're using this newfound ability of his to uh, to track these uh the bad guys through the, well, you know, the time tossed historical figures through the time stream. And they're on the uh, cosmic treadmill running to the future. So while the Lord of time ponders his dilemma, Hex and the other pawns, you know, they're a little pissed about what's been done to them. And they attack the Lord of time's fortress. The Lord of time dredges up a Tyrannosaurus Rex from the prehistoric past and some reptilian apes from the far distant future for them to play with. And eventually they get uh, overrun and defeated, and then the five are returned to their proper places in the time continuum. You know, at which point, I, you know, I got to admit, this is kind of where I stopped giving a shit about this story, to be perfectly honest. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was only ever really in it for Jonah Hex, and when he gets sent home, I was kind of like, okay, can can we just kind of like end this story right here? That I'm, I'm yeah. cool with that. But anyway, to make a long and no longer very interesting story short, Aquaman, who just kind of shows up out of nowhere at this point, really. Yeah, I was really confused when I saw him. But, you know, that's cool because he's awesome and everything. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. So he shows up back in 1978, and he comes up with some comic book bullshit science to save and revive his injured pals while the Earth-1 Superman, Earth-2 Wonder Woman, Huntress, Elongated Man, Dr. Midnight, Hawkman, and the Earth-1 Flash arrive at their destination in time. Uh, one by one, our heroes succumb to the machinations of the Lord of Time's supercomputer until only the Elongated Man is left. After much fighting of grinning dinosaurs and goofy-looking multi-armed robots... The elongated man manages to use his own body to short circuit the computer with only seconds to spare. So back in 1978, all's well that ends well with a bunch of yuck yucks as the elongated man regales his wife with his tale of daring do. And that's pretty much where it ends. And I got to say, as much as I really, really, really dug the first part of this story in 159. This one I would have to give a grade of ultra friggin' lame because this was really not a very good rap. No, so to the, you know it had an excellent setup, but it just didn't really deliver the goods in the conclusion. And again, that's that's one of my problems with it is that it should be something like really awesome. It should you know you know yes. bring these characters into it should just. It should, you know, it's the the heroes of yesterday and the heroes of today fighting the heroes of really yesterday, right? You know, and, and DC has a pretty good stable of historical heroes. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I think more so than Marvel in a lot of ways. And, and, and I, you know, as much of a DC fan as I am, there are a lot of ways where I see the Marvel universe kind of has it over DC right? in, in certain aspects. But when it comes to dealing with the future and when it comes with dealing with the past, I, I think DC wins out because, yes. they, you know, you know, uh, Nighthawk and Cinnamon and uh, who, el- who else are some good ones? Uh, uh, Scalp Hunter. You know, El Diablo. Yeah, El Diablo. I love El Diablo. Yeah, it's El Diablo. Just a really Bat good thing. And, and not only are they interesting characters, they're interesting visuals as well. Yes. You know, I mentioned before, you know, Miss Liberty's costume. That's a great freaking costume. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, Jonah Hex, you like Jonah Hex. I'm not as familiar with Jonah Hex, but now I want to because all the stories you talk about sound awesome. But. You know, and, and, you know, like, I'm not a real big fan of the Viking Prince, but I'm not a real big fan of that era of storytelling, if that makes any sense. Right. You know, I I could really give a shit about a Viking Prince. Well, see, I could actually, you know, I mean, I know nothing about him. And this is kind of my problem with both of these issues is at the end of the day, I still don't know shit about this guy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) You, you know what I mean? I mean, I would have liked to have gotten a little bit of info on him because while I have only, you know, the mildest of interest in, you know, a Viking prince, if the guy's awesome, the guy's awesome. You know, at one time I could give a shit about a, you know, a, a bounty hunter that I thought was a cheap two-faced knockoff as well. But once yeah. I got to know the guy and his backstory, suddenly he's one of my favorite characters. So potentially this Viking prince guy he could be totally fucking awesome, and this story fail, totally failed to sell me on him because it didn't tell me shit about him than I already knew, you know, that, that he was yeah. a Viking prince. Well, I knew that already. <laughs> Who gives a shit? You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was the shame of this. You know, the way that this story should have resolved, in my opinion, in, in 160, what, what really should have happened was find a way to to, to tie Superman up with something and take some of your quote unquote more normally powered, you know, character, you know, your your Batman, your Huntress, your uh, I don't know, elongated man, maybe Wonder Woman, Star Spangled Kid, some of those guys, some of the lower tier guys, you know, as far as power level, and have them be one on one against these historical figures. Maybe have a few more historical figures. Maybe have it like you know, ten or twelve of them all together, and so then you've got some really interesting. Pairing off, you know, like uh, black, you know, the black pirate versus Batman and Jonah Hex versus, I don't know, Wonder Woman playing bullets and bracelets, that, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, stuff like that. That would have oh, been really been cool. awesome. And I, I feel like they just squandered a really awesome, you know, they what they did really was they squandered the awesome that they generated in the first issue, because I still maintain that 159 is a pretty good setup. It's a decent enough setup to a story I just don't care about. (laughs) Okay. I'll buy that. I mean, it's like, I think for me, there are three types of stories, in all honesty. There are stories I really, really like. There are stories I absolutely hate. And then there are stories that are just like, meh. (laughs) <laughs> right like like the, like i can't sit down like if i sat down i could i could create a list of things i don't like about the story you know well character x 
sucked and the artwork was bad and I didn't like how this plot hole just totally, you know, made, you know, I, I lost all respect for the story after after noticing it. And this is kind of one of those stories. It's written by a writer I like a lot, drawn by someone I really don't care about, containing characters that I like a whole heck of a lot. I mean, is this is the first time Batman met Huntress. Right. The Batman of Earth 2. That's freaking important. Yeah, and you know? more should have been more should have been uh, made of that. Yeah, and, I, but I it's not. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing last time around with, uh, you know, it was the first time um, Power Girl was in the story, you know, for yeah. a lot of these characters. And and again, not, not, not a whole lot was made of that. So you've got to imagine that, you know, the, the kids that were reading Justice League but were not reading All-Star or Adventure Comics, they didn't know who the hell some of these, you know, especially somebody like Huntress that just pops in. They don't know who she is, so you know, give her the awesome introduction. You know, generate some some possible crossover sales. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. They they again squandered that opportunity. So, or at least have her guest star in Brave and the Bold, which they eventually do. Eventually, but still yeah. not really close enough. You know, not enough for me. You know, right. not, not soon enough for me. I guess is the best way to say it. Right. So, I don't know. It's just, I hate feeling this way because I don't think anybody is really to blame, but it was just kind of a mess of a story. It was just, you know, I don't mind time travel stories. You talk to some people and it's like, Jesus Christ, time travel stories are are, are like, you know, like the freaking uh, Holocaust, you know, to them. (laughs) And... And I'm really not that way. I, 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 I think time travel stories can really be interesting if done right. Hell, one of my favorite story TV series of all time is Quantum Leap. You know, so, but at the same time, when it's done like this, it's like, who gives a shit? Let me see. A couple of, couple of last quick notes I had on this one, and damn, I cannot find it. So maybe I made the, the wrong note on the wrong issue, but I had made a note that somewhere in this issue was the ad, the awesome, awesome ad for the, uh, the Jonah Hex Spectacular, and now I'm not seeing the damn thing. So was I just crazy, or did I not? All right, so a couple of quick things. I have to admit, mostly uh, Jonah Hex related. <laughs> We should just switch this to the Jonah Hex podcast. But no, I'm kidding. Across from page... uh, You should do one of those, by the way. I've been thinking about it. Don't tempt me. I don't need any more projects right now. But I have actually been thinking about it. But on page... uh, Across from page 24 in issue 160, top of the page, this issue, I I am strongly, strongly, strongly recommending anybody remotely interested in... Uh, Jonah Hex specifically, but also DC's Western characters, you could do a lot worse than to pick up the, uh, they call it on the cover and in this ad, the Jonah Hex Spectacular. That's actually not what the Indicia, it's like DC special series something or other, and I'm sorry, I can't give you the exact number. I want to say 17, but I'm not sure that's right. Anyway, this is a great, great issue, mostly because it does feature, spoiler alert, the death of Jonah Hex. It is revealed in this story how Hex eventually dies, and it's a great 
story. There's also a Batlash story and a Scalp Hunter story. Again, like I say, highly recommend it. It's a good, good read. And um, be patient. You can find that book on the cheap. It's not that it's not worth, you know, paying a fortune for, but you don't have to pay a fortune for it. It's crazy. I see this thing on eBay all the time, and one day it'll be listed. It'll say, you know, CGC grade 9.8, $100. And then the very next day it's like, you know, you can find it for $0.99 plus $3 shipping. So you don't have to pay a lot for it, so don't. But it is totally worth it. Great, great story. Um, Also, speaking of uh, Jonah Hex, this wasn't the last time jaunt that Jonah Hex would have because he would, you know, of course – that was what his whole series called just simply Hex was all about, was him being pulled out of time, very similar to how it happens to him in this story, and having adventures in the, uh, I think it's like the mid-21st century. It's like a Mad Max scenario. That's a pretty good book, despite what you may hear from other people. I dug it. I thought it was cool. Also, this wasn't even his last meeting with the JLAers, because... Uh, he would see them again in JLA's number uh, numbers 198 and 199. He would have a sort of half-assed crossover with Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes in issue number 23 of Legion of Superheroes, the uh, the Baxter run. He had a, a cameo of sorts in Superman and Batman Generations Volume 3, number 8, which I still haven't read yet, so I don't know the nature of that whole crossover. Oh, it is so awesome. I heard it was cool, and I'm, I'm waiting to read that. Um, there is a crossover of sorts that I'm not going to reveal other than to tell you it is totally awesome. In uh, that Superman-Batman book, that storyline, Absolute Power, Jonah Hex shows up, and there's an awesome moment between Hex and Superman. And again, Hex and Superman would meet up again in the novel um, Trial of Time. It's one of those DC Universe novels. And uh, it's the only one I have a few of them, but this is the only one I've actually made the time to read. And it was a pretty good book. It's a little wacky because the time travel element of it doesn't quite hold up to close inspection, but it was still, it was, you know, if you just want kind of a a fun time travel, let's throw a bunch of diverse characters together story, very much in the spirit of the story that we just talked about. That's kind of what you get with that story because it's got the Phantom Stranger, it's got Superman, it's got Jonah Hex, it's got Etrigan the Demon, and I'm probably forgetting a other cup, you know, a couple other characters. But it was fun. It's it's interesting. Um, also. This is not the last time that this podcast that we'll be talking about the Black Pirate way on down the line. Oh, yeah. We'll see him again in the pages mm-hmm. of uh, Starman. So listen. No, for that. We'll, see him. we'll see him before that. Will we? Yes. Where else in will the we see him? of All-Star Squadron. Oh, I forgot. he. When the hell was in he the, in All-Star Squadron? I, I forgot the, about during that. During the crisis. Oh, shit. That's right. Yes. 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 That's right. That's right. Well, hell, for that matter, we might even see uh, Hex in there somewhere. Well, you know, we're going to cover the uh, the crisis itself at some point. So, yes, oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, some of these characters will pop up again. Th- that is going to turn into, like, the gauntlet episodes for us, because not only are we going to cover the Infinity Incorporated and All-Star Squadron crossovers, we're going to deal with the, 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 the Maxi series itself. I'm really looking forward I'm to looking that. forward to it, too, because... I could be wrong. Somebody will probably point this out if I am. To my knowledge, Crisis on Infinite Earths, despite being one of the biggest things that ever happened in comics, 
to my knowledge, still hasn't really been, um, quote unquote, adequately covered in podcasting. When we get there, I'm telling you, man, I want to I want to stake a claim to that territory. I want to be like the definitive go to fucking podcast for <laughs> crisis on Earth. So for that time, we're you know, I'm fully prepared to, you know, be a little less the tales of the justice society of America and a little bit more of just the straight up crisis on infinite earths podcast during that time period. Cause I really want to do it up and do it up. Right. That is my favorite comic book story, you know, event series type of thing of all time. So I really want to make sure we, we nail that. You know what I mean? Yes. So, well, I agree with you completely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really itching. To I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. Because that was a big that was a big deal for me, and uh, yeah, totally looking forward to that. It, it's going to be actually kind of tough to rein in on that and not do like every ancillary little thing that's that's going to you know that has something to do with the uh, the crisis. But yeah, totally looking forward to that. That's pretty much all I got for these two issues. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much all I have too. I'm, I'm not really. Don't have a lot, a whole lot to say about this one. Got a lot more to say about the next one. Oh well, that's good because I I don't know that I have a whole hell of a lot of notes. Well, I guess I got a few notes on this one, but okay. I apologize ahead of time. I pretty much lumped one seventy one and one seventy two into one massive, well, not so massive really, but one review. So I didn't really split the issues up on on this particular one. So. Anyway, as they say on TV, you be the judge. So, all right, this is Justice League of America numbers 171 and 172, the October and November 1979 issues. Again, written by Jerry Conway with art by uh, Dick Dillon, Frank McLaughlin. The cover to uh, 171 is by uh, Dillon and Dick Giordano. And the cover to 172 is by uh, just just, uh, Giordano all by himself. And I really dig that one. I like that one. Oh, yeah. It's a great cover. Batman pointing to the audience. (laughs) He's going, you suck. (laughs) Or you could make it say that if you had some crayons. Anyway. And by by crayons, you you mean... uh, Photoshop. Yes. (laughs) All right, roll call for this one. For the representing the Justice League of America, we have Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, The Flash, Hawkman, Zatanna, and The Red Tornado. For the Justice Society, okay, this is how I kind of prefer to set this up. Imagine you're watching old classic Star Trek, right? Kirk, Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Ensign Frank beam down to the planet. Who's going to die? So for the Justice Society roll call, (laughs) we have Power Girl, The Huntress, Green Lantern, The Flash, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, and Mr. Terrific. Who's going to die? All right, so... At yet another JLA JSA shindig, the and Mister Redshirt. Yeah, Mister. Exactly. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> All right. So the two teams uh, adjourn a meeting that was chaired by Zatanna, and they stand around just gabbing. Shortly after a very bizarre exchange with Mister Terrific, in which a bunch of his so-called friends kind of run him down and make him feel badly about himself. 
The satellite is they rock. They are such cocks to him. Yeah, they are really nasty to him. It's like, why the hell are you even here, dude? It's, yeah, it's pretty mean. It's like he got dressed up to go hang out with any, everybody, but he wasn't invited. So he's kind of like, they <laughs> like him, but they don't really want to be around him. But I feel really bad for him by the end of this story. Yeah. Because everyone is such an asshole. Mm-hmm. Even right there, when you when you get okay, I'll I'll, leave, I'll save it for my notes. But I just feel really bad for Mister Terrific I, I, after this story. I, I believe me, I'm I'm with you. I totally do. I think I know what you're going for here. So, uh, all right. So the satellite is rocked by a sudden explosion, and the uh, headquarters begins to vent atmosphere. Superman darts to the scene and discovers the dead body of Mister Terrific floating in the debris field. The satellite is patched up. Zatanna attempts to use her mastery of talking backwards to get to the bottom of what happened. She gets zapped into a coma, and after a super speed search of the premises by both flashes that turns up nothing, Superman is left with only one conclusion. One of you assholes killed Mr. Terrific. What the hell? You know... (laughs) At this point, I would love to have any member of this cast go... You know, Jesus, can't we get together just once without this kind of shit going on? Well, they kind of do, but oh, okay, we'll get to that well, okay, we'll well, a couple of crossovers. You know, I mean, seriously, at this point, if I was in the Justice Society, I would never go to Earth One again because every time they go to Earth One, something bad happens. So yes, but anyway. So in the next issue, we pick up with Huntress asking Superman. I- I'm sorry, what now? And the Man of Steel repeats his accusation. One of you did it. Could have been me. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm Superman over here. So it had to be one of you guys. So the Huntress is tasked this issue with spending two whole pages, bringing us up to speed on the nature of alternate realities and the story so far. Then it's on to more wild speculations and baseless accusations. After a whole <laughs> lot... <laughs> I'm glad I amuse you. <laughs> that did amuse me. I, Just I will cracking you up makes this show worth it for me, right? I'm gonna, I got to I, say. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that, that tries to say shit just to get you to laugh. <laughs> I figure if you're laughing, they're probably laughing, but I don't know. It's just me. Uh, where, where, okay, so after a whole lot of talky-talky-talk, Batman, Dread Avenger of the Night, and Master of Solving Crimes based on no logical or solid ev- evidence whatsoever, ever <laughs> reveals that the Earth 2 Flash done it. I'm serious, dude. There's no friggin' way that I can see in this story where he reaches the conclusion of who done it. It's, do, it's, it's like an old-fashioned Legion story where they give you all these clues that lead nowhere and then go, did you figure out who the Mystery Legion is? It's like, no, I didn't figure it out because there's it's no... Like that, <laughs> it's like that fucking owl thing from She-Ra. Did you ever watch She-Ra? You were probably a little too old for, for He-Man and She-Ra no. by the time it came out. There was, there was a character in She-Ra... that would come out at the end of the episode because it was filmation. They always had to have like the little tag at the end telling you the moral the moral of the story oh, i love that and it, this one it was like did you spot me in the story i was right here and every time it happened i wish i could like have my personality now go to my 10 year old self to yell at the tv no i was watching the fucking story <laughs> asshole <laughs> 
But, I liked uh, when I got old enough watching like the old Shazam series to where I could kind of see a completely different moral than what Captain Marvel was telling me the moral of the story was. It's like, <laughs> kids, the moral of this story is, you know, get your car serviced so that you don't plunge off cliffs, you know. And, and I'm thinking, no, Captain Marvel, really the moral of the story is my friends are a bunch of assholes, you know. So, <laughs> But, uh... <laughs> But yeah, that that I, I see where you're going for there. <laughs> so it turns out that the Earth 2 Flash has been possessed by an old enemy of his and Mr. Terrific's called the Spirit King, who would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you meddling kids and your dog, <laughs> and runs to the transmatter and splits the scene. Everyone stands around feeling pretty stupid, as well they should after wa- wasting two entire pages showing us how clever they were with constructing their big energy bubble around the satellite to prevent anybody from escaping. Yeah, yeah good job, guys. You forgot to lock down the friggin' transporter. So anyway, Superman, utilizing his best Special Olympics team coach manner, gives the guys a half-hearted and nonsensical pep talk about how great they performed today. They're all winners inside, and they actually really won today, despite, you know, the body that's cooling on the table in the next room. So the the tale ends with Dr. Fate saying, maybe we'll find the guy, maybe we won't. And everybody yucks it up because the death of a teammate, especially one that was never really part of your clique to begin with, is always hilariously funny. Oh, man. Oh, God. And God damn, where do I even start with this story? You do your notes first because I, I actually have like a, like two pages of them. So. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, all right. I don't have near, near so many. I'll, I'll try to be very quick with these. Okay. Page four, last panel. Obviously, at this point in, in, in JSA history and everything, you know, later on we would get to know both mis- this Mr. Terrific and his successor much better. But at this point, this guy was so obscure that the Flash couldn't even remember his goddamn name. He, he calls him Jerry, which Jerry, I really yes, got a kick out I of. I saw that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there was, however, a really nice moment in this issue, which was uh, page 7 of 171 um, between uh, Uncle Bruce, which, yeah, is that weird, and uh, and Helena on the satellite, because this was right after the Earth 2 Batman had been killed in action. And so there was a nice moment between the two of them where she she basically asked Bruce to hold her and not in like a weird sexual way. It's just. Yeah, that, that, that was the thing is that this is an easy thing to make fun of. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really it's not like the, you know, power girl taking Superman's arm and saying, why don't you, we go off and be alone somewhere? Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that type of thing. This was, you know. Batman doesn't know how to feel right? because he died on another world. Right. And I don't know if he really knew his, his, uh, his doppelganger all that much. Cause you know, Superman and Superman teamed up several times. Right. So they had kind of a friendship going, but I don't know if Batman and Batman ever really got to have an adventure together. But still, it's got to be weird when you know there's another you in an alternate reality, and then you find out that that you died. Right, yeah. So the, And then you have the Huntress, who's pretty much, you know, completely 
grief-stricken because her father just died. And here's a guy in front of her that looks just like a younger version of her dad. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't want him to hold her because, you know, it's all, like, creepy and sexual. You know, it's not like what would happen between Robin and her on Earth 2 later. Right. But, But it's just like, you know, he... He's, like, holding her because she just needs to be comforted by someone that reminds her of her own father. Right. And I, and I, I was kind of touched by that. I really was. Yeah, so. I, I was, too. That's Yeah, I was not making fun because I actually I, yeah, I I know. that was well, a I was genuine just... touching moment. I really did. But on the flip side, though, I got a real kick out of, uh, on page nine, panel two, Superman lamenting the fact that he really wanted to have a word with Carrot. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll bet you did, dude. I'll just bet you did. <laughs> he wanted a little bit more of that sweet Kryptonian, you know, alternate reality nookie he got the last team up. So uh, let's see here. All right, well, page you know, 13. She kept, she kept muttering something about the back door. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see her scream again. Aye! Or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, page 13 I, I love moments like this when I can spot them in comics and this one just jumped right out at me and really really cracked me up it's the panel where okay Superman had just flown out into space after the explosion right and uh-huh. uh, and Dr. Fate pulls all this metal out of what is it like a friggin asteroid belt or something Superman melts it all down he makes this giant piece of metal it's like a giant piece of sheet metal to patch up the satellite but then you turn to page 13 and it's all these other guys doing all the work right you got the both hawkmen pulled together they've got grappling hooks and it's you know you see them dragging in the piece of sheet metal and putting it in place then the green lanterns both go out and they rivet everything into place and it's really nice and it's really cool you know you get to see some guys do something but every time i see things like this in a justice league story i always think superman could have done that in a nanosecond it cracks me up every <laughs> single time it's it's so you know superman is just standing back and going ah, i got to let these guys do something or they'll feel you know they'll feel bad so i'll i'll just sit this one out. but it it just cracks me up when you know they they have any sort of scenario in these stories where you know as a superman fan you know damn well he doesn't really need any of these people why is he even here <laughs> i don't need any of these assholes <laughs> i love it well, it, 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 was, it was why that moment in that episode in the second s- season of justice league they had that secret society episode where grod was putting together a team of villains and the Justice League is fighting amongst themselves, you know, like the entire the entire episode. And Superman's just bitching. He goes, you know, and basically saying, I've got to hold back because of you people. You know, I would do a lot better if I didn't have to worry about the rest of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, they were being manipulated, but it was there under the surface just the same. Right. So, yeah, I, I totally dig that. I, I totally get what you're saying. I don't know if it's really written this way or if it's the way I'm reading it or what, but uh, Earth 2 Hawkman comes off as a real asshole on page 14. Um, Superman brings in 
Mr. Terrific's body from outside and they put him under this scanner thing. They're trying to figure out what, what happened to him. How did he die? And Earth 2 Hawkman says, we hardly knew him. He was never really one of us. And now he's dead. And I almost imagine the next the next thing being like, so who's for cake? You know, it's, it's like, geez, dude, that's just cold, you know? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the way I'm reading it, but it really cracks. Uh, no, no. Wait till I get to my notes. Okay. I, uh, oh, okay. I, I, I am kind of right there with you, sir. All right. Don't let me steal your thunder on these. No, 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 no. I, I, no, because we, we, it's, it, it, it's kind of like before we started recording, we, when I, when we found out that I accidentally wrote a synopsis for, for these things too, because I, you know, because we didn't fucking talk and I thought that I was doing it, <laughs> that we both came up with that. It, I would have gotten it away with it too if it wasn't for those pesky kids. So keep, keep going. It's okay if we repeat each other. Okay. Now, uh, I made another discovery when I was rereading back over this because I, you know, if there's one thing that I like to pride myself on that, that I feel like I'm good at is paying attention to the characters, who all's in the story and what they're doing at, at given times in these massive crossover type of things. So one thing I noticed <laughs> Because I remembered when I got to 172, I mean, I already knew who the who the the killer was anyway. So maybe yeah. this is why I was paying attention. But I got to 172 and Batman's big reveal, and I'm going because I, I was waiting to see like what evidence he put together or exactly what the scenario was. Because it's been a long time since I've read this story. But anyway, like I said, I remembered who the killer was, so I made note of this. I'm sorry, but there's no friggin' way that the that Flash was the one that killed Mister Terrific. Because you can clearly see on page nine when the explosion happens, he's right there. He's with everybody in that crowd. So how the hell did he kill Mr. Terrific? They're so I, guess all... you won't, I guess you wouldn't buy that he's the fastest man alive. I mean, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, you can't really strangle somebody at super speed. You know what I mean? I mean, strangulation <laughs> is a process that takes a certain amount of time. So I just don't think you're trying hard enough, Scott. <laughs> damn it well i'm trying but you know (laughs) see i've got this thing in my head called a brain and these things (laughs) have to make a certain level of sense sometimes and when they don't or or it's or or you can't buy into it it's it's just not something you want (laughs) my bullshit level's pretty high but you know still oh this i love yeah okay this is probably my favorite actually Issue 172, page 6. <laughs> that last panel. Uh, the one with Green Lantern talking yes. to Green Lantern? Yes. yes. Okay, go ahead. Last panel, the little inset. Very next line is, I never noticed your eyes. Or some, something. <laughs> that These dudes are about to kiss. I'm sorry, but it's going to happen. That is the uh, what's lying in the gutters between these two pages. They suddenly realized each other or something there. That's just, yeah. Yeah, they they totally have like got a. Well, you know what? If if certain writers can have a man crush on Hal Jordan, I think Alan Scott should allow (laughs) to have one too. So there you go. Okay, last page. We've got uh, Dr. Fate again with the Dr. Fate here. I'm sorry I keep picking on Dr. Fate, but I can't help it. He's just lobbing them right across the plate for me. 
Dr. Fate, at the conclusion of this story, they're all standing around. They're ready to jump into the transmatter thing and zip back to their own universe. Power Girl's holding um, Mr. Terrific's body. And Dr. Fate says, the Spirit King is our responsibility now, Leaguers. We must capture him. Or not. On our own. I'm thinking... Did he just say that maybe we will and maybe we won't, you know? I had the exact same fucking thought. Like, what the fuck, dude? I mean, Jesus. Because yeah. this, this is how it played in my head. The Spirit King is our responsibility now, Leaguers. We must capture him on our own. Or, you know, not. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Unless and, and I love, and I love Hawk on the tube or something, you know. <laughs> it's like Hawkman is trying to make up for being such a cock before. Because how I saw the scene where he said, you know, he was never really one of us. He says it, and everyone stops and looks at him like, dude, <laughs> he's fucking dead. Okay, just to prove to people that it's not just Mike and I busting on this story, and it's not just our mistaken impressions of how you read the dialogue, it wasn't until the Jeff Friggin' John series, until this story got resolved, okay? They were taking their sweet fucking time catching the Spirit King, okay? I mean, this this only just happened a couple of years ago, and this story right here took place in 1978, so, Jesus Christ, dude, you know, a, a little bit of uh, expediency on uh, avenging your dead friend, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's just horrible. Poor Mr. Terrific. Did he really suck that bad? Oh. And uh, and then to add insult to injury is, is everybody, you know, it, it it ends on a Star Trek moment. It ends I on had the these... exact same note. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny, Mr. Spock. And they all fly. And I'm thinking, yeah, in the meantime, Mr. Terrific's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like laughing at the end of the, uh, of uh, where no man has gone before. Or, or yeah, yeah. After it, Gary Mitchell's dead. Or I'll, like, do, I'll do you one better. It would be like at the end of City on the Edge of Forever, they get back <laughs> to the ship and yuck it up at the end of that. And I'm, you'd be like, whoa, what, what? That's exactly what's going on here. There, there was nothing funny Uh-oh. that happened in this story. Somebody died. <laughs> yet you're you're laughing about it. At the, oh, my God. it was. Just... I feel really bad because I just interviewed Jerry Conway. And, uh, you know, we, I kept talking about how much I liked his writing. And here I am about to, like, piece apart a story. Well, no, I've got some good notes in here, too. Like well, some, uh... I, I was actually I was actually concerned about that, knowing that you just talked to him. I, I, I really <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this and be like, God damn. You know? Because <laughs> I realized that this this type of thing is totally a. um I was going to say victim of its time. That's not really what I mean. But, you know, it's no. it's a product of its time because I distinctly remember reading this as a kid and thrilling to it. I thought it was awesome. So it did its job. You know, if it thrilled me as a kid, then it, then it totally does its job. It totally works. We're looking at it as two, you know, basically 40-year-old guys looking at this and just ripping it to shreds. But it, you know, also in a fun and respectful way. I really do dig this stuff. But yes. it's it's just fun to look at it and go, wow, you know. I mean, look at all this stuff I didn't catch when I was seven years old, you know. So that that's all I mean. I, it it is pretty fun and everything. I, I do get an enormous kick out of the fact though that nobody really gave a shit to go and pursue 
Yes. <laughs> Mr. Terrific's killer. That's so sad. All righty. Is that all you got? Yes, that is that is okay. all I got. Um, there's a scene at the very beginning where Power Girl compliments Zatanna on how well she handled the meeting. Mm-hmm. And Hawkman gets all weird and says, "Well, Zatanna probably doesn't need their, you know, our, you know, your praise." And and Zatanna disagrees, explaining that working in a group is new to her, and that she was determined to make it on her own. And then Hawkman, it's like Hawkman is like sticking his foot in his fucking mouth through this entire issue, and then trying to cover for it later. It's like here he's just like, you know, this is how the conversation went. Power Girl. Wow, Zatanna, you did really well in there. I'm really impressed with how you were able to, you know, you know, you really, you know, led that meeting well. And Hawkman going, she doesn't need your praise. And everyone <laughs> looking at her, and well, um, she doesn't need your praise because the Justice League only lets in individuals, uh, you know, who are very good at what they do. So obviously they saw something in you. And then she fucking kisses him on the cheek. <laughs> he just insulted you. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> and, and, and the conversation that the Flashes have with Mr. Terrific, I've really, I just, this is where I started to feel bad for him. Because he talks about, you know, you know, it's like, I, you know, I caught the Spirit King. He was stealing something on the fucking campus. And, and, the, and the Flashes are like, really? Well, you know, you're kind of old. And maybe, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. It's like everyone is trying to drop the hint in the most unsubtle way possible. It's, yeah, <laughs> but they... basically, but basically, when Jay goes, you know, you know, well, you should have called me. I fought him too. It was basically like saying, "Hey, asshole, I could handle that, jackass. You didn't catch him." Yeah, they're really not nice to him at all. Because <laughs> the Flash. <laughs> You know, the Earth 2 Flash gives him shit. He's like, well, if you've been tracking him, why didn't you capture him yet? And then the Earth 1 Flash is like, is there something you're holding out? And I'm like, Jesus, I mean, is this how you treat people that you invite over to your place? You know, you give them the third degree and give them shit because they haven't caught their bad guy yet? I mean, I, I can't imagine, like, like Flash and, and, you know, well, the two Flashes busting on, say... Batman because the Joker's on the loose right now, you know, but they yeah. feel free to pick on this guy because he's like a Z-lister, you know, it's like, geez. see, geek elitism is everywhere. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, don't bring that up again. <laughs> it's permeating the even the um, Justice League. No, I'm kidding. I did kind of dig the scene where Dr. Fate and Katar Hall were comparing notes on being archaeologists. Mm-hmm. And then you had the two Green Lanterns sneaking food and shit from across the room with their <laughs> rings. It was just a really neat scene. I liked that because, you know, Alan's like, so how's that trucking going? Dude, you would not believe the fucking weirdos I meet. I, you know, when I worked third shift at the gas station, I had that same conversation with a bunch of different friends. <laughs> oh, man. And one of my favorite moments is that the <laughs> fucking hole blows into the side of the satellite, right? And and I think it was Batman who said, "Don't worry, you know the automatic defenses will kick in." And then, like a second later, Green Lantern's like, "It's not kicking in." Something we just need... something just occurred to me. What? Oh my god! I can't believe I never noticed this before. All right, on page nine, 
last okay. panel, the panel you're looking at talking about with the with the with the explosion in the atmosphere. <laughs> tell me, tell me that the flames in the way Superman is standing there doesn't look like the uh, ah, oh, no. ah my ass episode of South Park. I'm sorry, it's late. Are you saying there's, are you saying there's a, a satellite dish is about to pop out of Superman's oh. ass? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> it does. It looks the same as that Cartman episode. Now, now cool. I, I'm going to say this. This is my first. This is the first time I ever read this story. And oh really? Yeah. This is the. First, I've never. This. This is. I have a couple issues in this era of Justice League that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's uh, – I have the, the the first two we covered today. I don't have these, and I don't have the uh, the one where – the first one that we're going to be discussing next week where they get involved with the new gods, which was a great concept. I haven't read those either because they're expensive. You know, like the other ones you can get for like $2 a piece. Oh, are they expensive? Yeah, you get to, in comic shops, yes. You get to these JLA, JSA crossovers, and the the price goes up like threefold. Oh, wow. What I liked about reading this story, though, is that Jerry Conway did a very good job, I think, of making this a closed-room murder mystery. Like, he was taking a Justice League and Justice Society crossover and framing it as if it was like uh, Sherlock Holmes or, you know, one of the, you know, like a Nick and Nora or a, or, or, you know, like a mystery where there's a bunch of people, they're having a party, someone dies, someone there was responsible, and we got to figure out who it is. And I liked that. I dug the shit out of that, actually. I was like, wow. And and really and truly, I know you don't think he puts the pieces together. I think he did. Okay. I really think I really think, you know, it's like they go, they find the evidence. Now, it's a little flimsy and it's a little, you know, it's not like a rock solid mystery story where I'm sitting on the edge of my f- seat, but as a procedural, I enjoyed it. Like seeing Batman and the Huntress work together as detectives was great. It's a great use of those two characters because that's their shtick. Especially when you have two people on the uh, on on the satellite that are fucking Kryptonian. You got two people that have a magic ring that lets them do whatever they want. You got two people that can run at the speed of light, and then you got the two guys that know martial arts and are really good detectives. So they didn't give Red Tornado fuck all to do in this story. Yeah, there's several characters they didn't. And I just I flipped back to the end of the story because I I was thumbing through 171 and and I got to thinking, damn, you know what? They never resolved the thing with Zatanna, but they actually they must have done it in the gutters because she's there at the tail end of the story, yeah. revived again. But they never explain why the hell did that piece of metal wonk her out? You know, they they never really do wrap that up, so um, I also really, really liked the fact that Dr. Fate healed the Huntress mm-hmm. after she got caught in that explosion. I was like, wow, that's kind of neat. Uh, one note about the art. The art in the second issue is so much better than the first. I don't know what happened. I really don't. But when you like that first 
that first page of Superman, that splash page of Superman looking at the audience, everybody looks good in that picture. They do, but it's the same artist. I don't understand it. I'm thinking that there might have been some ghost work going on here somewhere. But on page three of that of that issue of 172, that shot of Doctor Mister Terrific getting blown out into space is so comical looking. <laughs> oh, you're rough, dude. It is. Look at it and tell me that's not funny. It, it is. It is the way it's the way it's shown is is very funny. You know what? I didn't really think about this until you commented about Dr. Fate healing the Huntress. That is cool, and I really liked that part. But um, didn't we spend an awful lot of time in All-Star Squadron with their, you know, his fellow teammates getting hospitalized <laughs> and needing ice rays to be healed and shit like that? If, if he can do this with third-degree burns, he can't heal up a little bit of brain trauma or whatever. Well, he's Dr. Fate, asshole of the Justice Society. He's fickle. That's the problem. Uh, I do love, though, I really do love the reaction of Green Lantern and Green Lantern when Superman's like, okay, because Superman takes charge at the beginning of 172, completely takes charge. It's great. He's just like, okay, one of us is a killer. Not one of you is a killer. One of us is a killer. So he does what he should do as the leader of the JLA. And he's just like, D- Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Dr. Fate, seal this up so none of us can get out. You all have magic in your thing so you can keep each other from getting out. It's like, that's cool. And then Green Lantern's like, hey, asshole, what the hell? And Dr. Fate's got to be the one to step in. Hey, you know, he, he did say he did include himself on the list of suspects. So they, 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 they spend like an inordinate amount of time making this dome that is surrounding them. And then, yeah, they have that moment where it's just like. You know, what if when we want to, we can't get out, then Mr. will have problems. It's just like, God. Well, also, I like uh, Alan Scott asking the stupidest question in the story. Hold it, Kal-El. Who appointed you, High Inquisitor? I'm thinking, do you not see the S, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Um, Page nine that panel where Batman goes possibly and then Huntress goes, let's get to the monitor room. I want to check something out on the computer. Batman is looking away because he wants to check something else out. He's really trying not to step, stare at her chest in that, in that panel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to look down here. Everything's going to be fine. And I do like the fact that Batman, I'm sorry, on page 10, that first panel where Batman's got his arm around Barry Allen. I really just want to go, so Barry, I was asking you this because, well, I think you're a lot like me. <laughs> and I think we have a lot in common as he Stop starts it. massaging the shoulder. Stop it. <laughs> I can deal with the Green Lanterns being that way because I'm not all that keen on Green Lanterns. But Batman, no. No, no, no. Stop it. Yeah, because no Stop one has ever right joked now. about Batman being gay. <laughs> no Stop <one> it. <laughs> um. Page 15 of 172, man, the Spirit King is sporting a serious fro. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing to see. But yeah, I mean, that whole, that last page, I, I hate to go over that ground again, but 
But man, that the Spirit King is our responsibility, leaguers. We must capture him or not. What? <laughs> and you know, Batman looked at Superman and mouthed the words, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we could animate and have an ounce of artistic talent because we would. T- Robot Chicken needs to make fun of this story. They really do. I just realized uh, that they totally miscolored Green Lantern in that last panel because that he's colored as if he's the Alan Scott yellow. Green Lantern, but they all left. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. He's yellow in the in the last in the last panel. <laughs> but the, the 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 my last note is God damn it, Dick Dillon could not draw that Hawkman helmet from Earth Two to save his fucking life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm wrong? No, you are not wrong, because, yeah, he's got a very, very bulbous cranium on that last page. He looks completely... He, he and he, Plus, he just has a dumbstruck look on it. He's like, duh. He just... <laughs> he's like he's well, that... really mellowed out right in that, in that picture. Well, that's all I got. Oh, I, I'm... I'm... I'm simultaneously breathlessly anticipating and absolutely dreading the feedback that we're going to get for this particular one. Because people go, you guys hate this. I don't. I don't. I get a kick out of it. Hear how much I've laughed through this episode. I really enjoyed myself. But come on. (laughs) you got to be able to poke fun at this stuff when it's really silly. And this is really kind of silly. So. Alrighty, that's it for this week. Next week we will be covering Justice League of America number 183 to 185, which sees the JLA and the JSA battling Darkseid, which the Superpowers line of action figures fan in me is really, really looking forward to, because it's got Firestorm! Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! And we're also covering the, I've never read it, but always wanted to because it has the Earth 2 Superman in it drawn by George Perez. 195 to 197. It's good. It's good stuff. We got two. I have a feeling we have two really awesome stories to talk about next week. And uh, that's really cool. And then beyond that, like we've said, we've got the Power Girl origin, the Huntress, some Wonder Woman, some Green Lantern, all leading up to when we finally go, we hop into the DeLorean, you know, sit there with the engine running and the flux capacitor. Fluxing. Fluxing, exactly. (laughs) And we're going to go back to 1941 to one of the best DC comic series from the 1980s, All-Star Squadron. That reminds me, I did have one other last thing I wanted to mention. Just a quick plug. Search around on the internet. I don't have a link to give you specifically, but uh, if you'd like a different and uh, and also hilarious take on some of this material, hunt up um, Tom versus the JLA. Because his uh, coverage of the old uh, Justice League of America series started, I believe, with issue like 163. So you won't get that one, the first one we covered, like with Jonah Hex and the other historical people. But he did cover 171 and 172. That was just a great show. So, you know, if you can find it out there on the uh, internet to be downloaded, check that out. You'll, You'll get a kick out of it. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Tales of the Justice Society of America, hosted by Scott H. Gardner and Michael R. Bailey. 
If you like this show, check out Back to the Bins, where Mike and I talk about random back issues from the past. You can find that at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Scott has another podcast that he hosts with his childhood friend and former personal masseuse and fry cook to Oprah Winfrey, Chris Honeywell, called Two True Freaks, which, like Tales and Back to the Bins, can be found at www.twotruefreaks.libson.com. Mike has a few other podcasts that he either hosts or co-hosts because he loves the sound of his own voice as well. The first is Views from the Longbox, which is Mike's solo show and can be found at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Then there's From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which Mike hosts with Jeffrey Taylor, which can be found at both www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. Scott and I have gigantic egos. We love to hear from the listeners. You can reach the show by writing to Tales of the JSA at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next week for another installment of the Tales of the Justice Society of America. Oh, no, here it is. I I, I don't think it is. Oh, okay. Wait, no, no, that's not it either. That's the Batman Spectacular. Where the hell is the Jonah Hex Spectacular? As he just chews up time. It's okay. I I don't have anything else to do. I do not see it. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm looking in the wrong issue. That's why I'm not seeing it. It's supposed to be in 160, so let me flip to 160 here. That's okay. The only time people are going to hear this is if they listen to after the uh, the closing music, so there you go. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're going to bump my comments to the end of the show? I'm going to bump all this, like, empty stuff. Oh, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> all his dumbass struggling to find a page. Okay, here we go.